Welcome into Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on today's episode, Adam Burrish and I break down Game 2 between the Blackhawks and the Edmonton Oilers in the qualifying round. A 6-3 win from Edmonton in the second outing of the series. Three goals coming from a line of Patrick Kane, Kirby Doc, Alex Dabrinkit. A bright spot for the Hawks, but... An early goal against from Connor McDavid and chasing throughout the game. Too much to overcome in Game 2. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. It's showtime. In the playoffs, it's win or go home. With Chevy, it's win and go home. In a new Chevy car, truck, or SUV. Check out Shop, Click, and Drive at your local Chevy dealer. Shop online 24-7 and take delivery at home. It's simple, it's safe, it's smart. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to locate your Chevy dealer and schedule a test drive. Eye it, try it, buy it, whatever it takes. Your local Chevy dealers, proud sponsors of the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, yeah, so obviously uh, not the game we wanted to have, Uh Following up game one, uh, we knew they were going to come out with uh, a lot of desperation and with something to prove, and um, you know, we just didn't have enough guys going to match it. I thought we, you know, we did some good things uh, in the first couple of periods to, to stay um, in the game, give ourselves a chance, but uh, you know, ultimately we just we didn't play to the level we we need to 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 beat uh, this team. So. We uh, we knew going into the series it was going to be a challenge, and um, we'll we'll take tomorrow to prepare and, and prepare better. We need to prepare it better um, because uh, you know, we we didn't make hard enough on them to, to generate offense. Uh, we weren't able to sustain uh, time in the offensive zone, and uh, you know, ultimately we, we paid the price for it. Jeremy Colleton speaking last night after game two of the qualifying round between the Blackhawks and the Oilers. Carter Baum alongside Adam Burrish once again. Burr, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, We talked a lot after game one about the things that the Blackhawks did right. Puck possession. uh, They were able to limit chances. Had some great five-on-five play. Uh, and you heard it from Jeremy Colleton there. They knew the Oilers were going to come out hard in Game 2. We discussed it the other day, and boy, did they. I mean, you you mentioned it in the last show, Burr. Best player in the world, Connor McDavid, and he only took 19 seconds to uh, showcase that <laughs> on Monday night in Edmonton. Yeah, he took uh, two and a half or what, two, a couple minutes on Game 1 to score a goal. It took 19 seconds, Game 2. Uh, the best player in the planet for sure right now. Um, Carter, it was kind of what we talked about, a reversal of what we talked about in game one, where the Hawks were steady defensively. They made no mistakes. Uh, Connor Murphy said we were really, after game one, he said we were really simple defensively. We got pucks out. We wouldn't make, we didn't make fancy plays. We didn't hurt ourselves. We got to the next zone. Uh, that's the formula for this Hawks team to win. Get the puck to your forwards. That's where your dangerous players are. That's where your skill is. Don't hurt yourself on the back end, which is what Edmonton did in game one. Their defensemen got themselves in trouble. They weren't clean with the puck. They were trying to make plays when plays weren't there. And the Blackhawks made them pay. Game two, 
you fast forward and if you read the articles today, it's what the Hawks are saying and what Jeremy's saying is is we weren't real clean in our D zone. Our defensive coverage was average at best. We turned pucks over. We didn't communicate in the D zone uh, exactly what you saw Edmonton do. And then if you're going to get into a shootout, um, this is a dangerous team to get into a shootout with. Um, I think still this this series is going to be a shootout. You're going to have to score four goals a game at least to win. Um, it, does that favor the Hawks or not? I, I don't know. I, I think the Hawks have firepower to score. You saw it in game one. I certainly think they can. I, it's going to come down to which defensive. You've got two young defensive cores that at times struggle defensively. Um, a couple veteran leaders on each team that, that you know, Duncan Keith with the Blackhawks, he's going to have to play the whole game now. They, D- Jeremy's getting him out there as much as he can um, because he is that f- guy out there that can settle things down. He makes the right play. He understands when to just get rid of the puck, alleviate pressure. But it's going to come down to who, who can make less mistakes defensively. And then you just got to hope your power play can can really be cranking, which both teams are power plays have been good. Um, but it's it, it, there was two opposite games of what we saw uh, defensively from each team. So game three, which which defense can really tighten it up? You mentioned the turnovers. And not only was it a higher number of turnovers, I think the Blackhawks had as many turnovers by that f- the third goal in the second period, just a couple minutes into the middle frame, yeah. that they had the entire game in game one. And it wasn't only the number of turnovers. It was the quality of turnovers that they basically gifted Edmonton. I mean, right off the hop, you have Duncan Keith and Adam Boquist, maybe a miscommunication in the corner. They go to clear the puck. Uh, No one's there to help them or support them. And you have Connor McDavid alone in front. The second goal, I mean, you turn it over in the offensive zone. And one thing that Jeremy Colleton also mentioned he didn't necessarily like was how quick or how slow the Blackhawks were to transition from offense to defense when they did turn the puck over. And I think you saw that on the second goal where you turn it over in the offensive zone. Connor McDavid just goes blowing through the neutral zone, but you don't give yourself any help or any any option to really help that out because there wasn't that quick transition going back. Uh, and then you start off the second period, you get, a, you get a Patrick Kane goal late in the first to really kind of pull yourselves back into it. And then just a couple minutes into the second, you've got a turnover in the neutral zone. Uh, just... A bad sequence for Alex Nylander where he turns it over in the neutral zone, has it stolen off of his stick, and then the puck ends up deflecting off of him and into the net just 30 seconds later. Yeah, it's 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 tough. You almost think that after game one, um, if you were just watching yesterday, you almost thought, gosh, game one, the Hawks looked like it was almost too easy for them, and then they just kind of showed up for game two thinking – we can go out there and just kind of play and have some fun. Confidence is a great thing. And the Hawks had a lot of confidence. You could tell uh, you saw them in warmups a little bit. You saw the start. Of the, you could tell they had some confidence. You heard their comments after the game. They felt good about game one and they should have. But sometimes you see it in playoffs, especially with some young players. And now I, I'm not real big on the playoff experience thing right now because this is not – nobody has experience of going through this. We talked about it in game one, too. There's no fans in the building. You've been off for four and a half months, and all of a sudden you start playoffs. Like, well, how do you prepare for that? Who knows? Um, but you do see it in playoffs when you have a game where you just explode. Things come easy. Everything goes right for you. You, you play a really nice, clean, good, easy game. And then all of a sudden, game two, you you, you kind of naturally think, well, we just got to kind of show up and go out there and play and everything should fall into place again. It should be fine. And that's kind of how the Hawks started the game. And, and until about the last three or four minutes of that first period, when Jeremy started double shifting Kane, he put him out there with the brinket. 
and, and then they score that goal, um, it was a bit of a, they weren't ready to play. They weren't ready on time. And I think part of that can come. And I, I can tell you as a player, you, you sometimes think, wow, that, yeah, we just need to get out there. This will be easy again. We're, we're better than this team. We beat them up pretty good. And that's not the case. This is a high-flying Edmonton Oilers team that you take your foot off the gas for one second, you turn one puck over. That Connor McDavid's playing video game speed out there. He's going to make you pay. Well, and you also maybe have your, perhaps your best period all season long in the first period of game one. You go down early, not the perfect situation. We talked about that a few days ago of, oh boy, here we go. And then you go out and score four goals and you think you can do it again. But the last thing you want to do is put yourself in that situation for a second game in a row, not only going down one nothing, but then 2 nothing right away. And you're just digging yourself a hole at that point against one of the best offenses in the league that you really can't expect to overcome unless you're firing at all on all cylinders. And I just, like you said, I don't think they were ready to go off the hop in game two. It got better as the period in the game went along. But at that point, it's it's almost really difficult. You've exhausted all your energy to get back to 3-3 in the second period. And then less than two minutes later, McDavid completes the hat trick and you're down once again. And I think at that point, it's just... Is it a morale thing, you know, when you kind of claw your way back into it only to lose it yet again? And then especially in the third with a couple uh, just fluke goals in the middle of the third? A little bit. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it, it's one of those games. If you're going to play that way and you're going to open it up uh, and you're going to be a, a willing to trade chances and just go run and gun back and forth, your power play's got to be great. Your power play is, has got to go like it did in, in game one at 50%. You know, two for four, three for four, maybe if you're going to play that style of game, that's the way this playoffs is going to be. And if um, both of these teams, they're not shut down defensive teams. They're just not built that way. Um, they're two teams that are good, that want to run and gun, that want to open it up. And I think Edmonton, probably more than the Hawks, want to open it up. You got Connor McDavid. I mean, the Hawks with, with Kane and Taves, they can. And with the Brinkett, they can. And, and Saad and Strom, they've got forwards that can open it up. Then your power play has got to be really dangerous, too. The kicker is game one, Edmonton's defense hurt them. In game two, miscommunications, turnovers hurt the Blackhawks. There are going to be turnovers. There's going to be mistakes. The, the game right now after four and a half months off, there's just too much ice out there. There's It's too chaotic, maybe a word to use. So you're going to have turnovers. Who can limit them? Who's going to make the least mistakes defensively and give up easy opportunities? You're going to give up opportunities. You, Jeremy said that you can't give up easy ones. So who's going to give up uh, the least easy opportunities in game three is probably who's going to win this one. You mentioned the power play. Blackhawks go 0 for 4 on the night. Edmonton only goes 1 for 5, which is a is a big uh, turning point for the Blackhawks on that end, at least in the penalty kill. But some untimely penalties, just kind of not at great times. You're down 2 nothing. I think Duncan Keith took uh, a high-sticking minor or something right after that and kind of doesn't put yourself in the best position. But, Burr, I want to get your thoughts because – we talked coming out of game one about how kind of all four lines were just kind of flat firing. And at five on five, that's how they were able to dominate. That top line was doing all the scoring, but the three lines behind them were also doing tons of work to just make that a complete 60-minute game as much as you can. In game two, you're down to nothing early, and you mentioned it. Patrick Kane starts double shifting. You have to really start shortening the bench to even get something going because you're behind so early. You can't afford to let it get any worse you have to almost you have to play catch up right from the start and you you can't do that and you found the the chemistry with Patrick Kane Alex DeBrinkett and Kirby Doc the top line of Saad Taves um, 
and Kubalik was, was still having some of their moments. I don't think they had as dominant of a performance, yeah, but right. they were still able to put pressure in the offensive zone. But outside of that, I I just didn't really see a whole lot from the forward group that we saw in game one. No, and you know, I, I, when, when I played as, as a bottom line guy um, on the great teams I was on and um, the coaches would always say is, is your role in, in come playoff time as, as a bottom six kind of guy is you don't, I don't care if you score. I don't care if you score a goal today or not. That's not what you're out there to do. We've got guys that are supposed to score and that will score. You just need to create momentum. You can't get scored on. You can't turn pucks over. You can't give the other team momentum getting pinned in your zone. Um, you know, at times play ping pong out there and just get it up and run into some people, create some chaos. Right now, if you're a fourth line guy, your line needs to draw a penalty every game. Each of those bottom lines needs to draw a penalty just with skating and effort and will and battling down low on pucks. You know, hold on to that puck in the offensive zone, make somebody drag you down, take something to the net. That's your role as a bottom six. And Sure, your ice time is going to get cut in a game like that. You're not going to play a lot. I know they inserted Quinville in the lineup. He played about five minutes uh, last night. Draw a penalty in five minutes. Find a way to draw one. I think he, I think he took a cross check. To, maybe it was, um, it was somebody else. But the fourth line did draw a penalty last night. So that's how you contribute, and that's what you need to do. And, and then let Taze and Kane get out there on the power play and Duncan Keith and let those guys do that. But um, when you say that, I, I agree that you didn't see four lines going that way. And, and how do you do that? Well, your ice time is going to be limited, but create some momentum with your legs and your energy and the way you're skating um, and, and draw some penalties. Because that's how this team, that's how this series, it seems to be, is going to play out is, is whose power play can score some big goals. And Because I don't think we're going to see a 1-0 game uh, going forward anytime soon. It's going to be high flying. It's going to be scoring. So your bottom six guys got to draw some penalties for you. Question for you going into game three, Burr. You saw Kane, Doc, and Dabrinkit, really the one bright spot for the Blackhawks in game two. Do you keep them together? Do you put Kane back with Stroman Nylander? I mean, how do you how do you approach those lines going into game three, knowing that you've got some chemistry, but you also had some great chemistry in game one, and you're getting maybe Drake Kajula back into the lineup to maybe even things out again, a guy who can play that physical game, but also maybe has a little bit of the skill to compete with that line as well. Yeah, you know, if you if you watched the game last night, you heard at one point Pierre Maguire between the between the glass say, Jeremy Colleton, leave these guys together with with <laughs> um with Doc and uh Debrinket. And I, I agree with him. Um but I also like what Jeremy did and I, I think that he's gonna have to keep doing that is get Kane out there uh with two different lines. And I think we'll see more of that um, if the Hawks go down at all, you'll see more of Kane. You'll see him double shifted, which I, what, Jeremy did a good job with that, I thought. And that's what you have to do. That's what Kane wants. He wants to be out there, you know, 17, 18, 20 minutes probably he'll have to play in, in game three. And that's what he likes. Um, but I, I would keep him with Doc and Debrinket. I know he has great chemistry with Debrinket. I know they spent a lot of time, you know, leading up to this playoffs together, working out together and training on the ice together. In a normal offseason, they do that. Um, I'd like to see that line together. I thought they had something, but I would still sprinkle him back in with Strom and Nylander. Um, I think the issue why he kind of got them away is is there was times uh, when Nylander and Strom, they turned some pucks over, and it's coming through the neutral zone, some pucks that they that they lost, um, and then you've got to go back and defend. And, and with, with your high-end guys, 
You don't want to give the other team cheap opportunities to come and make you defend. Kane, uh, I don't want Kane and, and Taves, those guys, having to play defense all night. Let your third and fourth lines play ping pong and go back and forth and defend But because that's where you 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 get taxed and your energy levels be, get low. Um, so I, I think he stays with the Brinkett, but I'd sprinkle him back in with some other lines and, and keep double shifting him. I thought Jeremy did a good job getting Kane on the ice more last night. One last thing I wanted to touch on from game two before we maybe look ahead to game three really quick. If you look at the score sheet over the first two games, you've got Corey Crawford allowing 10 goals against, which doesn't look great. But especially if you look at game two, he just didn't get much help around him. You, the first two goals you have, as you said, the best player in the world, mano mano against you, no, no back line to help you there as well. The third and fourth goal, he was screened on both of them, didn't see either shot coming through. I think there was a tip even on the third one. You have a you have an all-world goaltender who really can't do his job without a lot of support in front of him, and I think maybe that was another, uh, along with the turnovers, that was just kind of another maybe breakdown that had the Hawks chasing from almost puck drop last night. Yeah, it's t- to me. I don't. I don't even have a whole lot to add to that. It's, there's no real discussion on Corey Crawford. He <laughs> he was fine. He was great. Um, there was. It's an onslaught. It, it's it's back and forth. It's racehorse hockey with the best player coming at you, number ninety seven, for the Oilers. There's, you got no chance almost as a as a goaltender. And then those shots that get deflected in front and end up changing changing direction. Um, you can't see them. Um, Corey was fine. Corey, it, that's not an issue. It's, it, you know, if you look at Corey's numbers over the last couple of years on a team that gives up a ton of five on five chances, a, a lot of odd man rushes, you know, is still figuring out how they want to play in their defensive zone. Um, he's kept it in it. That game, uh, you know, you look at both games, goaltenders are going to have to be great. They're going to have to stop the ones they should. They're not going to get a lot of help. They're going to be odd man rushes. So Corey has done a fine job with that. It's going to be high scoring. It's going to his numbers are not going to look great. I'm sure he knows that. He's going to try and just kind of manage it. And then mentally, as a goaltender, I know you just have to kind of block that out. So, all right, I got I got to stop the next one. I got to try and you know keep us close because there's going to be more opportunities. McDavid is going to get a breakaway. He's going to get a two on one. He's going to come down the pipe point blank. It's just going to happen. Um, and I know goaltenders they're they're pretty good. The high level ones are pretty good at. You get scored on, you just kind of reset. It's 0-0, stop the next puck. Um, but Corey's been fine. Corey's been really, really good. And, um, and again, like I like we talked about the last podcast, it amazes me that after one week of training, he can be this good and this sharp and this calm and net. Uh, it's pretty freakish. Absolutely. Well, looking ahead to game three, this is where I think the, the dichotomy of the locker room is going to be very interesting to watch. You have obviously the core veteran group who's been there, done that. They've lost playoff games before and always have been able to bounce back. And then you have the young guys who coming in after after game one, feeling good, you know, having a, a good, strong performance. This is a real test for them and maybe a mental fortitude test to kind of be able to put that one behind you and come out stronger in game three. What, what do you think is the conversation today and going into tomorrow night's game? Yeah, well, I, I told you that. Um, as far as experience, you know, who's had experience in this? Nobody. The one area where I think um, experience will matter in this type of playoff format is coming off of games where you lose a lot of momentum in playoffs. It, I can tell you it's where it gets hard is all of a sudden game one you win and you feel like, oh, my gosh, we're going to win the Stanley Cup. We just blew out the Edmonton Oilers. We're playing great. You feel so good about yourself and about your game and how you're playing. You bring that into game two and all of a sudden you get spanked in game two. 
all of a sudden your confidence, you're sitting at home, right? I mean, just like the fans are right now, you're sitting at home like, oh my gosh, we got killed. How are we going to get back in this thing? Matt, we got no chance. That team is so good. It's, it's a roller coaster of emotions in playoffs and you have to find a way to manage that and just kind of reset every game. And that's where your veteran leadership and guys that have been through it, that's what they're really good at that. Um, your older guys and Kane and Taves and Siebes, if Siebes was there, uh, but Duncan Keith, uh, Corey Crawford, those old guys, they're the ones that are going to have to be in the locker room kind of passing that message along. Like it's a new day. You know, we weren't great yesterday. We were great in game one, bring those feelings back from game one, knowing we can score with this team. We can run with this team. Our power play can deliver just like this other team can. We'll be fine. Um, so those guys are going to have to kind of relay that message to your younger guys because I can guarantee those younger guys are going to be like, holy man, like, do we have a chance right now? This Edmonton Oilers team was so fast and they were so good and Connor McDavid's amazing. And, um, geez, I want to get an autograph for that guy on, on a stick of that guy after the game. And, and just your veteran guys will settle you down and say, we're fine. Everything's going to be fine. We've got a good group of guys in here. Look around the room. There's a, there's a handful of guys in here that have won multiple Stanley Cups. Um, so those guys are going to have to have to be the voices and the leadership and let those settle the young guys down knowing this is normal. These, these emotions are normal. What you're feeling is normal. Um, let's reset and let's get some energy going into game three. How crucial is it for Chicago to come out in game three and score the first goal, not be chasing the game from the start, not be chasing a one or two goal lead right from the hop, but just to come out, get momentum early and just keep rolling from there. Yeah, I think you could either say it's it's always important to score the first goal, but I think just come and have a kind of a solid a solid first five minutes or a solid first ten minutes. Um, you know, I, I would say break it into five minutes and let's just have a good solid five minutes. If we get the lead, great, but let's not give anything up. Let's just play a real simple, almost boring first five minutes. Let's see if some of our our, our stars. Uh, can open it up a little bit and win a one-on-one -on -one battle or beat a guy one-on-one -on -one or sneak behind a defenseman and get a chance or score a goal. But let's not let this thing really open up and, and create chaos here in the first five minutes, and which is what's happened in game one and two. It's it's all of a sudden McDavid just flashes across the screen and scores a goal. But for me, it's let, let's, let's slow things down these first five minutes. Let's not turn pucks over. Let's get pucks in. Let's put some heat on their defenseman because I, I, you know, I still think that's the weak point of the Edmonton Oilers team. Um, so that'd be my message is let, let's slow things down the first five minutes. Let's be simple. Let's be smart with the puck and uh, let's see if we can create a turnover, a break or a power play, and then we'll get into the game. Well, 9.30 to about 9.35 is what Burr is saying you should turn into. Actually, probably about 9.40 by the time they get the game started on Wednesday night. Game three, Blackhawks and Oilers, another late one, uh, a 9.30 scheduled TV broadcast start. Uh, we have a now guaranteed game four on Friday evening as well, or at some point on Friday, I think that exact times TBD in a 1-1 series between the Blackhawks and the Oilers. Burr, thanks as always for your time today. Great insight, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, Carter. See you in a couple days. Thank you for tuning in to Blackhawks Insider. For Adam Burr, I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. <laughs>